0: Welcome back to Behind The Beats. Our next guest is the COO of Armada Music. She's been with the company for over 12 years, had a hand in signing an influential track in our catalogue and shares some valuable insight behind the scenes at Armada. Let's get stuck into this one.
1: Hi, everyone. We're back for another episode of Behind The Beats, where we handpick our guests from industry experts, artists, well-known figures, those who make all the difference behind the scenes. Someone who ticks all of those boxes for me is my co-host Harry. Ha 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 ha! ha. I like what I did there.
0: Thanks for that. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, more of that. Actually, next ones.
1: I'll I'll continue to massage your ego as we (laughs) carry on today. Um, How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm really excited to to be doing this podcast with our very special guest. We Um, do have a very
1: special guest today, and one of those uh, industry experts and. Somebody who makes a difference behind the scene. Complete. Welcome to the podcast, Nadine.
2: Hello, hello.
0: Hey, Nadine.
1: Hi. She is our COO, which is Chief Operating Officer, which basically means the chief of the company. Very important. <laughs> the top
0: dog. The top the, the dog. Boss.
1: Yeah. Uh, and an inspiration to me because not only is she a woman, she has. Made a lot of changes and done a lot of things, and we're going to learn a lot about her today.
0: Am I also right in thinking that? So Nadine, you employed Raju, right? Yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> I <What>? did.
0: <laughs> this is I being so nice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm really proud of that. No, I have Aww. to be super honest and uh, give our dear Phil Segar yeah. uh, credits for that because he ha- he sort of scouted her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well said, then, Nadine,
2: Phil. we need to have Raju on board. This yeah. is her. And then when, I think when we talked the first time, yeah. it was just, we. I, I was sure. I there said to Michael, connection. I called him. I said, we need to have her on board. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. I have to say, I loved
1: those interviews. Yeah. My interview with Phil was just good vibes because uh, he's <laughs> from my area where I grew up so we just kind of were like family already mm. and then the magical thing about Amada, which we all know is that it is like an extended family and you never feel like you're isolated or alone there's always somebody to talk to and there's always a happy smiley face and I got to meet Nadine and that was really great and then uh, Michael who for people at home you would have already heard about in one of our initial podcast uh, episodes uh, we went to I think it was like Soho House. And yeah. this is the first interview I've ever had where it was compulsory to order a drink. Yeah. Uh, I was like, this is a great interview. <laughs> it's a great job. And I left skipping. I think skipping. I'm doing
2: great. great. I think yeah. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'll have another go. I yeah.
1: was not nervous at all. Why aren't all interviews
2: like that? I know. You know? I, I skipped out of that interview with a big smile on my face. No, he it ended like, okay, so you're coming to work for us. Yeah. When will you start? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved it. Anyway, before we get into the nitty gritty, mm. we have a very important question to ask you. Uh, I know that you love karaoke. I feel like yes. a <laughs> lot of people in the company know you like karaoke. Yes. I remember the- a f- pleasure. Yeah. Or not even guilty. No, no, just, no, just a pleasure. Just, just straight pleasure. out pleasure. pleasure. Um, it was a nice surprise for me because at the, chris- my initial Christmas party, <laughs> oh. a Christmas party, I was, uh, Looking for Nadine and uh, found her at the end of a mic, bellowing out. Of course. A Dutch tune, which I didn't understand, obviously, um, but having the time of her life.
2: With who? With Lison
1: or Raymond? Do you know what? At that point, there was uh, a group effort.
2: Maybe you know the
0: song. What was the Dutch song?
2: Could have been anything. (laughs) So many options. Blood, zweet, and traam. Hasses?
0: Yeah, I knew it was Andre Hazes when, when you were telling me about this Hasses. earlier. How you can does do that a go? different
2: podcast. <laughs> Maybe it goes a little bit too far off the subject to do it right now. But yes, if we do karaoke, I think for us Dutch people, it's Andre Hazes. It's Andre Hazes.
1: Yeah, it has to be. I feel like you need to send me a playlist just so I can. I, I uh, am
2: very scared that there are uh, there's a uh, footage of this. And I'm, I'm not going to sure. lie.
1: I have footage on my phone. <laughs> exactly. You? So
2: if you play you. to me, I'll tell you what song it was. But if you could do karaoke right
1: now, mm. which song would you pick? And God. you can't say the other one. It's
2: eleven in the morning. I haven't had a drink. Uh, <laughs> tea only. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, we're not asking you to do. I karaoke. think it
2: always has to be Hazes. It Hazus. will be something from only Hazes. Yeah, it's the best. And you love singing, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, and uh, I thought you would have picked something by like Lost Frequencies, <laughs> like oh, Reality. You have their, their,
2: their... <laughs> well, I've
0: actually got something here on my uh, on my phone.
2: No, don't do it. No, I
0: haven't. I haven't. I haven't. Please, it's can you tell everybody enough. this story? <laughs>
2: Okay. So I'm not even sure what anniversary it was because i work worked at this company for a very long time yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the anniversaries, um, I think maybe it was five years now that I think of it in timing, um, the team that I had, uh, working for me then organized a gift for me, which was to record uh, my own version of Lost Frequencies Reality in the studio. they had originally picked a different song but it was so difficult and I didn't really know it well Um, so then Mm. they said okay let's do lost frequencies you have to know that and I was like okay I have to be a good sport I can't say I cannot do it so (laughs) I told Job who is the colleague in question I'll do it I'll make an ass of myself but this recording can never leave the room I don't know what I was thinking (laughs) (laughs) But it has of love lost trust the room. And it has floated around the company since. And it's super off-key. It's terrible. Uh, it's a good memory, though.
0: What a great memory. And what I don't really have a
2: problem with making an ass out of myself. I can laugh about myself. So no, um, it was, yeah.
0: A cool experience, <laughs> nonetheless. And I, actually, I've never seen that video, so... Yep, if you no, listen. it's a recording. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not it's a, a video.
2: Thank God it's, it's not, not a video. It's <laughs> <a video. laughs> only a recording. It's somewhere on the server, I know. So as well as Chief Operating Officer,
1: you are a singer as yes. well. Uh, an established artist. I mean, if you've been recorded in the studio, I feel. Yeah. Is, there, is this another career path you might go
2: down <sighs> I eventually? Don't so. I don't think so. I'm not good enough. Early in only in the
1: bathroom.
2: Only in the bathroom. But still passionate.
0: Yeah. Has
2: Lots, of passion. Lots yeah. of passion.
0: <laughs> well, can you, so we'll get into the nitty gritty now, but can you tell us first of all, like a little bit about yourself, maybe personally outside of your role and we'll get into the role later, but tell us who you are, Nadine.
2: Right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm 40 years old. I'm uh, Nadine. I am the CEO of Armada Music, but I'm also a mother of two little yeah. boys who are now maybe not even so little anymore. There's six and nine. Um, I live a little bit outside of Amsterdam. Um, I've worked at Armada for 12 years. Before that, I was a lawyer and I worked in a law firm and did mo- ma- uh, mainly uh, intellectual property stuff and worked for music clients. And I did that for five years. Uh, then I went to New York, took a little sabbatical for three months. And when I came back, Michael called me and said, you have you have to work for me. When yeah, can you start? That. Uh, and so I did. And so the whole journey here started. Um, yeah, Amazing. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy music. I enjoy going to concerts. I'm so happy that we can do that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. What does a chief operating officer do? That is a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder every Everything. day when I open my inbox, box <laughs> and then I wonder what's popping up. No, the structure we have in this company, at least, because I think companies can sort of think of the structure themselves. Michael is obviously the inspirator, the yeah. visionary of the company. And I try to make sure the whole operation can sort of keep up with his thoughts. Which means that I have a big responsibility uh, when it comes to uh, uh, managing the staff, managing the managers. Um, And together with Michael, I think a lot about what kind of strategic decisions we have to take and the direction we have to choose for the company. um, The music industry is an incredibly dynamic industry. Mm. Literally, I don't think a year has been the same since I started working in this company because... There's new developments all the time. We have yeah. to anticipate, uh, which is also one of I think the best uh, yeah. best things about this industry. But it's also very challenging because mm. you have often to, have to be on your toes. Yeah. So that's what the role is here. I'm sure that there are many other companies where there's maybe a little bit more. I think definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is how we divided it.
0: But I, I was going to ask like what a typical day looks like for you. Do, could you describe that?
2: I mean, is there one,
0: or is there yeah. one? Yeah,
2: is there a typical day for you?
0: No, no, no definitely I not. Th-
2: I think that's one of the fun things of working in this company because yeah. stuff happens, and I think we always, uh, we always say that this to all the staff as well. Look, uh, you, we can do anything; just make a plan, <laughs> and that means that there's a lot of plans yeah uh, <laughs> through the uh, inbox. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you know, I'll. Be honest, it's not only sexy, uh, you know, ooh, ooh, stuff. It's also uh, emails, yeah. signing off, loads of invoices, costs, <laughs> uh, contracts. I sign all, all the contracts, stuff like that. Yeah. It's a little less sexy, but also very important.
1: But I think it's also a lot to do with being reactive and then active as well. Yeah. So once you have uh, the vision... Trying to create the right plan in place, putting the right people in place. Yeah. And then juggling kind of all of that.
2: Yeah. And try to keep your ear on the ground mm-hmm. and see if you can spot the things we have to take care of early. Yeah.
1: How do you juggle like three sites as well? So like we're based in Amsterdam, obviously the H- uh, headquarters and London office, which you helped set up and the New York office.
2: Well, the New York office is... a <laughs> not my responsibility <laughs> no. <laughs> michael does uh, is in charge of new york and uh and I, as you said i set up uh, the uk but yeah. we have such a great team now that it sort of runs itself um
1: well how done, do Reggie. i juggle
2: it i don't know uh, well no i have to shout out the london
1: team so big shouts to ben malone yeah. phil Sager, james hyatt ollie johnson joe hale remembered all their names well done go.
2: Good <laughs> job. no uh, it's quite a lot and i think yeah. before covid i was maybe even a little bit more tired than i thought because i was traveling back and forth mm. a lot and doing with all the traveling i did also for the company outside of going back and forth to London um in retrospect it might have been a little bit much yeah um but i think now we're picking up again and um We can balance it out a little bit more, and you know, if you got good people, then there's so much you can do. Yeah, without actually having to monitor every single thing they do. Yeah, trust in your
1: workforce. Yeah, but I think also talking about the traveling thing, I remember when you—it's also looking at um, different territories. I remember when you and Ralph, our head of digital, like went to India, and there was a plan to kind of go to China and look at these different territories as well. Is that always in your vision in terms of like? Being global and being across other areas?
2: Yeah, we do. Um, It's a part of the strategy, I think, of the company. And obviously for uh, the past two years, it's been a little bit at a standstill, but there are so many markets that are incredibly big that we can tap into. And we Mm. know that people are already enjoying our music and enjoying our artists. So it's our job to find a way to get it to them in a way that we can... uh, I don't want to say control, but uh, Mm. feed it to them in a more uh, structured way Mm -hmm. through, I don't know, what kind of DSPs or uh, social media platforms. And it's also one of the things that makes it super interesting because the way that people in China are consuming music is very different from here. Yeah, It's one of the great things about my job as well, to be able to do that traveling and to experience all that different things in yeah. yeah,
1: culturally, how yeah. people like share and consume music, yeah. and um, a part of that in their own like silo areas. Yeah. When you're traveling, though, like, what kind of music do you listen to? Is there like a song that stands out for you? No,
2: um, for sure not uh, dance music. Don't <laughs> no, want the energy yeah. on a plane, Pro- or maybe some chilled. But I was going to say we have or some acoustic. good chill playlists, right? Yeah. Or acoustic, we uh, we have had some uh, old acoustics records where we did some acoustic versions, but no, that's yeah, I don't really listen to our latest releases when I'm on the plane. I like I love Pablo Navel. Yeah, of, yeah, of course do. he's great.
0: Yeah, amazing.
2: Amazing night. That just puts me in some like soundscape space, I lose my mind. I also, but I have some uh, difficulties with uh, genre boundaries. Yeah, because what is chill and what is not, and this yeah. also has I to think do, we with, all do I yeah. don't know enough maybe about music, or I'm not involved in A and R, mm. so I'm not always, you know up to date with where the boundaries of what genre is. So.
1: Well, you know what? Interesting you say that because uh, when I used to be uh, a radio producer back in the day for the BBC, I feel like I mentioned that a lot on this show. <laughs> 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 but when I used to be a radio producer on the BBC, uh, we used to I used to produce a, a chill-out show and we actually covered every genre of music because in every genre of music, there is uh, a section, well, maybe not every genre, most genres of music, there is a there'll always be a track that is a little bit more kind of left field, Mm -hmm. whether it's like the acoustic version of it or whether the beats are a little bit more kind of like minimal Mm -hmm. um, or just in terms of like the journey of the track, like the subject matter or whatever. So I think chill, you know, can be kind of like anything really. Yeah, Yeah. It's kind of, I feel like it's in the realms of like ASMR, like ASMR can be anything. It's what connects to you to make you
0: feel Relax. It can be experimental and, and we had Ferry on this podcast as yeah. well and he was saying like when he builds an album he wants to include all the members of the family so like from the from the young infants right through to the grandpa oh, wow. and so, yeah. you know, the way he described it was really cool but also like, yeah, ending his tracks with like, chill out and stuff yeah. like that which is, yeah, something that every artist, you know, can do. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting subject though, like the, the genres thing. Do you have
1: a favourite artist your go-to or a go-to track? Yeah,
2: I do. It's actually quite difficult because I think there are over 40,000 more you know how many tracks are in our probably catalog probably
0: more it's around 40,000 i it's think it's around no. 40,000
2: yeah. so, <laughs> so so
0: many, many releases
2: and many great memories but i think one that really stands out for me is joe smooth promised land which is of course old you? record and it's not originally released by Armada but we are so happy that we can work with joe and um you know make the make the track uh relevant again because i uh, I have had this in my playlist I think for 20 years which is probably 20 years after it was released already so it's a very old record and often when I'm just listening to music and my and my desk and I'm doing stuff I just like to listen to stuff that inspires me and and Joe Smooth Promised Land is one in one of those playlists so uh I was working and I heard it and I clicked through Spotify so you can see who owns the record yeah So I clicked through and I was sort of expecting, oh, it must be major owned. So, and then I clicked on it and I saw a company I didn't know. And I thought, okay, I think he's uploaded this himself. So I walked over to Jeroen and I said, I'm sorry, I think we can, you know, approach Joe Smooth and see if we can sign it because (laughs) it's not with a major. And he was like, oh, I thought it was a major. So then he reached out to Joe Smooth, who was coincidentally in Amsterdam, not long after, Wow. He did a meeting with him, and after that, we signed the record. I mean, it's wow. seminal. It's some. It's a record that gives me chills every yeah. single time I hear it.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, because the message is so great, but also musically, it's a really intelligent, uh, intelligent record.
0: One yeah. of those that's like way ahead of its time, I think, really, when it came out. An it, evergreen. Yeah, an evergreen <laughs> record, absolutely. Yeah, and there's not many of
1: those. No. Just a seminal, like that is like classic, but also sounds fresh if you heard it for the first time. Yeah. yeah. It's I don't a think it has, record.
2: Had, has lost like even one ounce of relevancy or anything. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just records like that are, yeah, amazing.
1: And I, I love this because this is just uh, so classic Amada yeah. that doesn't matter where you work in Amada if you like a record you could get that signed yeah, and people yeah. will
2: listen, yeah.
1: you know? And it's like, that's the passion of like being involved in music is something that connects with you is always going to connect with other people. Yeah.
2: And what is also great that we're doing now new remixes. Yeah, new versions. yeah, New versions. And that's bringing this record again to a whole new audience that might have not even discovered it original. Yeah, that's the most powerful and positive thing I think there is in the whole world to be able to play a role in that.
1: Oh, well done, Nadine. Great, great choice. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so this feels like, so talking about Promise Land and well done for getting that signed, Yeah, feels like uh, you should have a career in A&R. Have you ever done any A&R before?
2: Uh, well, actually I have once.
1: Funny you say that. Funny
2: you say that. <laughs> uh, I did. And it's, uh, I had this, I don't know how, how I ran into it. I think I watched a movie or something. And there was this little, uh, little piece in that movie and it was uh, an old recording of Istanbul not Constantinople uh, and I sort of it stuck in my head Istanbul yeah. not Constantinople Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked over to Ralph and I said I think we need to take this sample out and have someone produce it and back then he was in very good contact with Milan and Phoenix. I don't know where the sweet people are right now, but I don't think we've been in touch with them for a long time. But he said, Hey guys, can you make a record out of this? And they said, Oh yeah. There's like like one day later we had this new version of Istanbul not Constantinople by Midan and Phoenix. That's
1: awesome.
2: And it has done amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, back then. So said it was a huge success in the US. So yes, so. I ha- my one and only performance is A&R.
0: That's like true A and R work as well, you know? know. Hearing something, imagining it, having a vision, and then just you know making it happen. Yeah, super creative.
1: Interestingly, uh, this goes on to uh, another question of like, if you had to start your career again at Armada
2: <laughs> and you had, to well,
0: <laughs> pick a I, role, I have to be well, super would honest it be? because
2: I sometimes, uh, once in twelve years, have a good idea, but I have more ideas, and I uh, run them by my or Drone and they'll be like, yeah. Or not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't think my success rate is really super high.
1: <laughs> I do love the Dutch honesty though, I like the straight always, talking
2: Dutch, direct talking.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can't always. blame you for trying though. Yeah, that's what counts.
1: Yeah, but weirdly, like, so I mean, we're talking a lot about like this is like the music industry and you know and how we experience music, but you started off in a in a a legal role. Yeah, first of all. Yeah, and how you know. How did you find that kind of like transfer? Like you, there's a lot of departments that are involved in like the music industry and trying to run a record label.
2: It's really funny that you ask this because when I went to, when I finished my uh, high school, I had to pick, you know, a study. So I decided to go to law school and I always thought, oh, I have to go a little bit before that. My dad's a music publisher. So We're gonna up, get
1: onto your legendary dance. Yes.
2: So I grew up always with guys playing demos in our kitchen uh, in wow. the weekends. Yeah. And it was just normal to me. I never thought about it. So when I had to t- choose a, a, a study, I thought, okay, I'm going to do uh, law. I'm going to do intellectual property, mm. and then uh, I don't know. I'll see. Maybe I'll go work in music industry. But when I started the uh, college after the first year i thought oh my god those contracts i hate them i don't like it i really like criminal law so i did criminal law for four years and then in the end you have to write this whole thesis and then i had to think of a subject and i could not think of one subject that interested me Mm -hmm. enough to write i don't know 30 40 50 pages about it yeah (laughs) And then I decided because <laughs> ooh, back in two thousand three, this was a very hot topic: uh, illegal downloading. All right, yes. So that was a thing that interested me a lot. So I decided to write my thesis about okay, can we um, can we counter illegal downloading through the kim- criminal code, which we could not. Uh, but I wrote the thesis about it, and that was sort of the connection how I got an internship at a law firm that did intellectual property. From that, I got offered a paralegal job for six months. And from that, I got offered a new job to start my, uh, yeah, I don't know how you call it in English, but in the Netherlands, you have to do like a legal internship for three years. And okay, then you yeah. become uh, qualified, qualified so. to practice law. <clears throat> and what, what was the law
0: firm uh, that you that were working at? Uh,
2: at first, it's, uh, it was called Kalf Kotsen Kudoder. It's very Dutch. Oh, yeah. uh, they were super well known. Yeah. for all their music and film. And then I went with one of the partners to her new uh, firm um, called The Fossim Partners. And she's still there and I still talk to her a lot. I owe her everything because she gave me a chance because nobody would hire me. I wrote all the labels. I wrote all the collecting societies, please hire me. And they were all, yeah, you don't have the, the proper education. So I got one break and then I took it. And then from there, you know, eventually Michael offered me a job Sorry, I'm just rambling. But what was the question?
0: Uh, it was. It was more. <laughs> well, it was. It was looking into your um, your history of, of of legal, basically. Oh but, yeah. But oh yeah. It, yeah. Okay. It, so it,
2: then I got answered. here. I, I really set up the legal department. So we hired. We started hiring some uh, additional people, and we grew the department, etc. And after I think five years, uh, I got offered a job to be a, a general manager and I, I said to Michael, I don't know. I don't have a management uh, education. I didn't mm. do any sort of economic study, uh, study and he said, well, "But I know you can do it. You're the only one I trust." And that's when Maybe. I just decided to to do it.
0: But well, from th- from the legal side, like so you know, getting your work um uh, and, and being hired in a le- in a law firm. There's a lot of kind of transferable skills right in terms of um setting up a legal department at a record label. Yeah everything everything applies in the yeah. same way, right? So you yeah. basically build that team. Yeah. Is it So uh, just on an interesting uh, note for the listener, like why is it important for a record label to have a legal team?
2: Oh my Lord.
1: Yeah, like it's what the are the most... challenges of that? Like <laughs> yeah. that you could have.
2: Everything, because everything we have, everything we own in, from now until, I don't know how many years from now, it all is based on the rights we're allowed to exploit. Mm-hmm. And we get those rights by our contracts. Mm -hmm. So if our contracts are good and are uh, solid, then that means that there's less risk for us as a company that we get surprised. Also, uh, Michael is a very firm believer that uh, things have to be uh, honest. Mm -hmm. And um, we always try to uh, carve out deals, if we can, to accommodate the artist in a way that we can supply services that are good for them or what they need. Artists don't all need the same. Mm. Some have a very strong, I don't know, social presence and some have need more help with, I don't know, contracting or stuff. So we try to really accommodate them as well. And you need to have uh, a skill set to be able to draw contracts and and adjust them in a way that they can fit a certain artist.
1: Are there any other, like with, technology changing um, constantly Uh, you know you're talking about how you did your kind of thesis on illegal downloading and like we've moved so far into like the digital age with music are there like a lot of legal challenges like there that we have to consider as like a record label in terms of how we put music out and how we service music kind of contracts that we give to artists and stuff you know
2: Uh, well I think we for now uh, there's uh, we have the whole NFTs thing that's right, on. yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is becoming more and more clear that a lot of people consider it more of a sync. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It's kind of like a brand partnership. A or brand like, partnership, yeah.
2: etc. So in that sense, it's not that um, new. Yeah. But when streaming came, that was, of course, a whole new method of mm-hmm. exploitation. I remember when I joined Armada, it was 2010, and I had a Spotify account, I think, for a year or a year and a half. Mm. And I asked Michael, why is our content not on Spotify? And he's like, yeah, we're delivering six months after release because I don't want to lose any money to streaming. And I said, you're crazy. Yeah. You need to deliver it right now. And, And I think soon after, not because of me, but because of obviously the success of Spotify, we decided to change that strategy and go stream first. And those kinds of challenges... You know, they, they, those are always popping up. That's yeah. a good
0: example of like what you were saying earlier about the yeah. industry moving really quickly yeah. and all these new platforms, you know, because popping up everywhere. Because we cannot imagine
2: right now, but 10 or maybe 13 years ago, uh, a lot of people in the industry were very hesitant about streaming. Yeah. Like, oh, this is going to yeah. cost us money. This is it's not going to do well. Yeah. But now, obviously, we know what an amazing and positive impact streaming had on the whole industry. I think now it's grossing in total more than ever. Um, I think when you think about it in terms of a balance of like
1: illegal downloading and not making any money out of your music being out there to then making some money from streaming platforms, maybe not as much as like artists want to make or labels want to make, but at least there is the option there to be able to do that and have that. Um, yeah, as a revenue,
2: Armada was from the get-go a digital company, yeah. so we never had the loss of physical sales. Yeah, because yeah. from the start on, everything was digital. Mm-hmm. So what we had, you know, that was downloading.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that's what that's what makes it a global company, then, yeah. because you anybody and everybody could access it.
2: Yeah,
0: I guess what one, one of the challenges, uh, or at least in my mind, is which of these new kind of platforms and and opportunities are going to be the successful ones. And that's also, I think part of the whole, you know, streaming services, um, thing that, that happened. It's difficult to know when to go into it and when to like really focus on it. Um, you know, like Michael was withholding tracks and delaying tracks for, for release on Spotify, for example. But yeah, it's, it's hard to know.
2: Well, to be honest, we've seen a lot of them go down as well. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 So only a few remain. Um, I would have to ask about the legend that is your father
1: because as somebody <laughs> yeah. who has been in the music industry for a long while and now in his seventies and still working in the music industry, mm. still a, a key figure and, you know, very celebrated. Yeah. Um, can you please tell us a little bit about him, what he's done, his career and how that's inspired you?
2: He's amazing. Um, so he started out. His name, by the way. Is Peter van Bodegraven. Um He started out, I think, working in a record store, uh, very small record store. He's from a small village. He had a best friend called Lex Harding. He he later turned out to be Lex Harding. At that point, his name was still Lodewijk. And uh, he became one of the uh, DJs on the Veronica ship. It was one of the pirate Pirate radios that went out on the North Sea. And I think that also brought him more in touch with the industry. So he was, o- they were <coughs> obviously uh, already very interested in music. He was in a band. He played right. the drums. I oh, um, love drummers. He played, let it be noticed for the record, uh, <laughs> noted for the record that he played like before uh, Jimi Hendrix. Wow. The only time they play, he played in the Netherlands. Was it like a support act? Yeah. That is his Wow. Brand. He That's still cool. gets emails sometimes from people that were like, "I was big." I, I have to admit, shamefully that I don't know the name of the band. I think there were several, but he still gets emails from people that said, I was a big fan of Hup, 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 and the Floweries or something. You know, it was the '60s, so probably yeah. it was some some <laughs> some name like that. Some hippie name. And uh, I'm creating a document about all the <clears throat> bands that were in the neighborhood, etc. So wow. that is how he got in touch with the whole music industry, and he was a. Uh, uh, I don't know how you called that, but uh, a salesman for a record uh company for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how, but someone told him, look, you should go into publishing, which is, uh as could, you yeah. I was going to say, could you describe, could you yeah. describe what publishing it's, is? Uh, what we do as a record company, but they focus on representing authors, composers, people who write music. Um, it's a different thing. The person you hear on the radio the artist is not always the one who wrote the song they're mm-hmm. performing mm-hmm. Uh, which is a whole different uh industry stream yeah. and yeah. a whole different industry and he and his partner went in very early in the Benelux and also in the time where the music industry I think was very controlled in terms of uh you know if you wanted music out it needs to be made on a single or a vinyl etc. So it wasn't like like now you upload it to SoundCloud and it's out. So I think it was a little bit more uh, clear overview on what was going on and they went in really early and they uh, uh, had several very successful companies and then sold them and it started again and uh, right now he's still at our sister company Cloud9 as a consultant. I think he can never stop. I was going to say,
1: what do you think keeps motivating him? Like he's in his seventies, right, and he's yeah. still working in the music industry. I think
2: joy is, his joy in life is finding new talent and I help them that. develop uh, the talent. And it also keeps him young.
1: He's very youth. He has very youthful energy.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, he's a big inspiration. Yeah,
1: amazing. And is that. Is he one of the reasons why you probably wanted to work in the music industry or
2: I think so he took he took me and my brother to our first prince concert when I was four.
0: a prince concert that's amazing i
2: i actually saw i think prince michael jackson and <coughs> madonna in two years w- w- under the age of seven. Oh my god you're so lucky <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: such a blessing
2: yeah so i think that sort of planted a seed somewhere yeah. that explains why you're so cool nadine oh hey. lord yeah <laughs>
0: well um i i i saw him you know um uh, recently at the opening of our new oh, office yeah. in Lara yeah um so we talked earlier about you know New York London offices and and being set up globally in that respect and we also just opened a new villa in uh in Lara
2: isn't it beautiful
0: can you tell us about that it's just, it's like the luxury
2: office it's gorgeous it's just really beautiful now would we our uh, vision was always we wanted to create an environment right. where both the people uh our team and our artists can feel at home home and as you know we have this great office in in amsterdam we're sitting in the studio right now but it, it was never ours it's something mm, we right. rent yeah. and we always wanted to uh own it so all the investments we t- uh, make are also you know to our benefit and the artist benefit and we really wanted more studios because we've noticed that a lot of artists like doing writing camps and when they're here they like to combine you know doing press and social content maybe with some hours in the studio with Mm. somebody they know etc and to be honest Amsterdam is quite crowded so there wasn't really a space here available that could tick all the boxes Mm. and so now we found a villa it's 20 minutes outside of Amsterdam and it's now completely renovated and I think it's a great environment for for people to work, you know, for our team. It's also great for artists to be there. It's uh, very nice for uh, for us to host partners. You know, it's nearby Hilversum, which is radio capital, media, media capital, I should probably say, of the Netherlands. So there are all sorts of benefits we've combined. Mm. And um, I have to say, Michael and Raymond sort of took on the project uh in terms of design and what they wanted there, but it's yeah, it's gorgeous.
0: It's beautiful. It's, we should we should say as well, it's it's Armada and Claudine.
2: Yeah, it's Armada it's a, and Claudine. Yeah. yeah,
1: and also, I mean, it, it like you described, really, it feels like it's going to be such a creative space, and so much is going to yeah. come out of it yeah. creatively. Exactly. Um, you know, it already felt like yesterday it was like buzzing with ideas, just like yeah. being in there, knowing that you can like have the freedom to like brainstorm and think of things and be in a yeah. different situation. Exactly. But having to like also like manage creatives, we all know that could be quite challenging. What Like what's your creative outlet? And, you know, if you had to start again at Armada, mm. is there a different role that you think you would do?
2: I I literally cannot imagine doing anything else. I think I could do a lot of other stuff. I think it would have been marketing maybe. Yeah, Because that's where I have most uh top of mind ideas and I'll run over to someone and be like, Hey, shouldn't we do like yeah, this and yeah. that? Um
1: But then what about your own like creative outlet? Where do you channel your creativity? I, s- I
2: sing all day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I heard that you like
2: uh, (laughs) interior design. Yeah, that's true. No, I do. But my house is finished and I don't have any budget left. So it just (laughs) now (laughs) is remained to like reading all those gorgeous magazines. No, I like thinking about things like colors and stuff. But to be honest, I can get inspiration out of really anything. Uh, uh, We walk a a lot in, you know, Either it can be in a city or in nature. And I think that's so cool because then when you do something, the best ideas drop into your mind.
0: Mm. Yeah. When you're relaxed. When you're relaxed and when you're just
2: maybe not so trying to, I need to think of something. Totally. And um, And that's that's what I love.
0: That's also like a good point about the villa. Yeah. You know, it's a space where it's super relaxed. It's comfortable. It's easy. And that's where the creativity flows. But something I wanted to touch on was more broadly, actually, was like, the culture within Armada, so amongst, you know, the staff and, and the way that we like to, you know, go about our day-to-day business, yeah. we we obviously had a, an opening party for that office. Um, but there's so many more events going on in the calendar all the time with yeah. Armada. Can you put into context kind of like the culture within the company?
2: Hui. Uh, well, I think it's been uh, uh, said a lot that if people talk about Armada, a word that often drops is family. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think it almost has to be because at times it can be quite hectic
0: yeah. mm-hmm. and quite
2: demanding. So uh, to be able to do that and do that in a way that, you know, remains positive and, 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 um, and doable, it's also important that we counter that with a lot of things that give energy and, that, you know, to let off steam and to be able to connect to each other, really, mm. because often, you know, so much we do is about work. But then what about the human interaction? And yeah. when do you chat about, you know, how are you doing? And uh, what have you been up to? Which is so Stuff.
0: important, isn't it?
2: Yeah, which is so important to keep, like, the glue together.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. Michael <laughs> likes to celebrate all the important milestones. Yeah. And yeah. there are many, luckily, in our company that, you know, we've managed to keep growing and keep adding more cool stuff. So, yeah, it's great. I have to say, one
1: of the things that attracted me to uh, working at Amada was how balanced it is as a company in, in an industry which is heavily male-dominated uh, and weighs in favor of a, you know, a certain type of person that works in the music industry. Uh is quite balanced in terms of like male and female, actually. Yeah. Is that something that was like consciously
2: done? Yeah. Um, it was. It was. Very consciously done. And it was, uh, I like to say that I have a big hand in that, but to be honest, it's not. Because uh, Michael always said when he started the company, we need to have a balanced uh, male, female uh, situation because otherwise we get the wrong energy. Yeah. And I want both the energies to flow in the company. So that's, he could have, you know, made a choice to hire uh, a male general manager, but he didn't because he already had Linda, who's our CFO, Mm. uh, obviously also a female, uh, working beside him. And and if he was threatened by the idea of having too many females in, you know, the board of his company, he could have just made a different choice. But he was Mm. like, no, no, you're the best person and I like the energy. And I think from that top, it just flows down.
1: Yeah. yeah. Has has gender ever been like relevant in your career?
2: Uh, I think when I started at the law firm, that's obviously a very more traditional world. Yeah. Uh, by the way, also a lot of women are in, in law firms as well. Yeah. So uh, I think especially when I was young and maybe when I look back, I sort of understand because I was 24 and I think I was quite... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't have my mouth on lock, so I was quite yeah, <laughs> no uh, quite free and fluid with your words. Exactly, uh, and I th- of course I thought I knew how the world worked, uh, <laughs> as we all did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it was more like, okay, what do you know? You're a 24 year old girl. Yeah, uh, but over yeah. here, never. I think it is going on a lot in the music industry, and I think that maybe. Uh, at first, I wasn't maybe always valued. Mm. Uh, mm. you no, know, on, on first not impression. Uh, but externally, yeah, on first impression. Yeah, but I, it has never bothered me.
0: And what, so, with the, within the company, what are the things that we're, um, we're, we're trying to do in terms of diversity and representation?
2: yeah I think there is a lot of awareness that has started in the Netherlands at least for the past two to three years because yeah. I uh, obviously Reggie is also involved in our uh, quality and diversity task force that we have yeah uh, but when you compare to for example the UK uh, in the Netherlands we're really behind on all the efforts that the government makes right. companies are much more aware of the importance of creating a diverse, a safe workspace for everybody. Yep. Um, and I think over the past two to three years, it was really sort of settled in our minds as well that we, um, I think what says a lot is that before we were also on, a, for example, in our side, we were more like, oh yeah, there's just not that many female producers that are sending their demos in. Yeah, yeah, uh, And now it's become an attitude of, no, we have to find them
1: and yeah. we have to make it sure, accessible
2: for them make it accessible for them and to approach it differently and this is a very easy example but I think yeah. it speaks to some sort of uh, change in mindset, mindset. Yeah. Yeah. and I think that's going on a lot more also everywhere else in, uh, in the company as well because we're talking male-female but there's you know a lot more about diversity than male-female
1: yeah, yeah that's right you know, um, just to give some context about this so like obviously in like 2020 um the black lives matter movement um, was amplified post the murder of George Floyd and I remember we had quite a, a a deep conversation about it actually um and you were really active in initiating uh, a movement at the Mada. um and you wanted to create a task force uh to talk about equality and diversity and representation um, and inclusivity and and make sure that we were all thinking about these things and if we weren't um, how we had the knowledge and the resources to question these things mm-hmm. uh, and you know open up my mind obviously like you know my background I'm like South Asian in background like come from a working class background um, you know I'm female uh, been working in the music industry for a long time but uh, so it's these issues for me it's I live and breathe them Yeah, when I walk out the door I don't have a choice yeah. in that and so it might not be in the face of other people, but is this why you think it was important to set it up? Because
2: yes.
1: what, what do you hope to like achieve from it? Or was there something missing already? Or uh,
2: I think diversity in general brings more perspective and mm. more perspective means more creativity mm-hmm. and more creativity in the end is better for our company because mm. we need all the creativity and quality creativity we can get in order to yeah. perform and do well. And there's not one one perspective there are maybe a thousand and mm. the more we can put out there the more we can connect to audiences and you know supply the music with world they uh, with the world with music they can you know identify with artists they can identify with be happy from listening to music they mm. feel suits them yeah and
1: connecting to like amada from a uh, an, an open-minded perspective where it's like part of this I suppose it's the kind of family environment that we try to create internally but have that externally yeah. for our audience as well so they always kind
0: of feel included. Yeah. And I think I think too like a lot of it is just about awareness. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things uh, you know the the details in that you know we need educating on what yeah. what the actual issues are mm. within yeah. society within conversations like this. You know what are the things that we are doing wrong because we it's so ingrained in people. Yeah. You know historically. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, those are the things that need improving. So like for example, you know we've we've been educated uh, via the task force as a company and as emplo- as an employee. I found that really interesting because there's some things in there that I didn't even know were were, were an issue. Yeah. You know. Um,
1: Sometimes it's just as easy, like you know, it's just as simple as like knowing the history of dance music. Absolutely. uh, Or like, you know, the history of like how uh, uh, colonialism or whatever and how that's created certain cultures. But, you know, it's also just as simple as like what are we ignorant to and how can we be the best ally? Yeah. Yeah. To be the best ally and support people of a minority or who don't have uh, as loud a voice or a representative voice means if once you understand it then you know what you can do to mm-hmm. like be the voice improve. for that to improve it yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's only
2: well better put. it's
0: only good it's only good for everyone i think
2: yeah i think so too yeah
0: amazing so i mean you know moving on to the future of of armada Ooh. like you mentioned it <laughs> earlier we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of uh, milestones uh, that have happened in the company but we've got 20 years of armada coming up in oh next year Lord. Yes. which is a 20, huge yes. one like Next are, you, are you, you must be so proud of that though, right? Yeah, it's for not my time.
2: company, you know, to be honest. But I'm super proud of where we are right now yeah. and um, the team we have. And I think the environment we have managed to create both for artists and for people who work with us and, you know, with the company and our partners. And I think I have played a role in that and I'm super proud, of course, where yeah. we are.
1: You're definitely one of the backbones. I mean... You, it might not be your company, but you're very associated <laughs> with the backbone yeah. of this company. Yeah.
0: And uh, in general, what would you say is next for Armada?
2: Ooh, a world domination. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's always the ambition. No, yeah. it would be great to have, you know, another... I was Before recording, uh, when we went into the recording, I was thinking, okay, what, what was one of the best memories I have yeah. for, from Armada? And I can tell you there are many because I think in almost... 12 years, you know, you just live through a lot. Mm -hmm. But one that really stands out is when we had the 10-year celebration of Armada, we were on a boat in Ibiza. I don't, sorry, I don't think we're going to do that again. I was going to say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and at the time, this is what it feels like, was this huge global hit. And, uh, you know, we were somewhere in the Mediterranean Sea and Armin was playing it on the boat and everybody was jumping and dancing. And I thought, okay, it would be super cool to have another hit like that again. Yeah. And we've had many since, since, but, you know, it could be cool after the past two years, two and a half years maybe even, uh, to have another one of those, like you hear it literally yeah. everywhere in the world. <coughs>
0: yeah.
2: And that's so powerful to be able to experience that as a team because yeah. it's truly a team effort. Yeah. From the guy that made the artwork for, to the product manager to the inr to the legal who did the contracts to the finance people and the royalties people. Yeah. So, you know, uh, to have something big like that, it's just for everybody such a huge thrill. Yeah. And I really hope we have that coming up again in the next year.
0: I'm and it's sure also so
2: cool if you walk somewhere in Tokyo or I don't know where, and then you still hear that, that record is the yeah. most, yeah. it's the most amazing thing. At least it's some, I love that. Yeah. Uh, are we going to get any little, uh,
1: exclusive hints on what we, how are we going to celebrate 20 years? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna have a week away. What can we? What? what do we want to do? Well, today?
2: we've already established that Michael likes celebrating. Yeah. So I don't think you I have think to be, be fearful. Involved. I've heard some things, but I'm not going to uh, say anything yet because I know for see. a fact that nothing is final. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that that was. Uh, but it
2: will be special.
0: I promise. Of course, of course. Always. I think it was a perfect way to kind of you know end this podcast um, with that with that memory that highlight from Ibiza. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think we can definitely look forward to another moment like that with another record and another artist or many more.
2: Many more. Many more would be best. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank yeah, you.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: It's been amazing.
2: Bye.
1: Bye. We did it. You made it to the end of another Behind the Beats podcast. Yay. Yay. Yeah big big love thanks to the armada team toby lizanne
0: Floris for all their hard work on this podcast and for making us sound good harry and thank you reggie
1: oh no thank you
0: and don't forget if you want to hear more music then go and check out our label radio show armada next for brilliant music videos it's armadamusic.tv and check out our socials for more
1: come back and join us for the next one
0: harry what is goodbye in dutch Goodbye in Dutch is uh doey. Dewey everybody. Do we